0: Hello and welcome to Never Seen It, a podcast about movies we haven't seen yet. My name is Trent. I'm here with my wife, Betsy. It's me. Hey, Betsy. It is August, so we are starting a brand new series. So actually, we are revisiting an old series that we did last year that was pretty popular. We're restarting our decade series. It is a new year. It's actually an old year. We're already halfway through it, but sure. Quiet you. <laughs> we are going to revisit movies from decades past that are celebrating its 10th 20th 30th 40th so on and so on all the way back to 1963 starting with the Great Escape
1: we're starting in the 60s yes
0: we're starting with 1963 with the Great Escape Betsy neither of us have seen this movie we have not
1: seen the Great Escape and I know
0: precious few things about it but why don't you start off with uh, what what you know about it?
1: So the star of this movie is Steve McQueen. Yes. And this is somebody who to the 60s is really relevant as far as movie stars go. Yeah. So it's kind of good that we're covering something he has done. And I have never
0: seen a Steve McQueen movie, to my knowledge.
1: I would doubt it, unless you've seen Bullet. Which, which I we're... haven't. And I also haven't. But I have seen two of his other movies. I saw Papillon and I saw the original Thomas Crown Affair. Okay. And one of those I just saw last year for the first time. So I also yes. am kind of a novice when it comes to Steve McQueen.
0: And Steve McQueen was one of these guys who did do a lot of movies. He was like really hot and heavy for a while. And then he just kind of disappeared and then he died young.
1: Right. He burned hot and then he died young. Yeah, That was kind of kind of his whole thing. But in the 60s, he was really a big deal. Yeah, One of those like, this is what a man should be kind of guys. But right. he also did action and drama and comedy kind of this blend of all the things. Mm -hmm. So I know he's the star of this and that they use footage of it in once upon a time in Hollywood.
0: Tarantino (laughs) uses footage and then replaces one of the characters. It might be Steve Steve McQueen. Was it Steve McQueen? Okay. He, they replace him with Leo in that movie as if he was actually in it.
1: Obviously. Yeah. And there's a whole other group of people in this. I want to say James Garner is one of them.
0: James Garner. And I think Charles Bronson is also in a a very early role.
1: Yeah, and other than them, off the top of my head, I don't remember anybody else, but I'm sure I'm going to recognize other people.
0: Okay, so that's the people. What do you know about the actual movie?
1: It's a prisoner of war camp during World War II. Yes. So it's the Nazis, it's a bunch of American soldiers, Mm -hmm. and they're trying to escape this camp. Indeed. And I don't really know... What happens along the way, except that this movie is three hours long. Indeed. So it's kind of one of those epic 1960s movies. And I'm going to say it right now, just the vibe I get, I think this be a dad movie. It
0: is. This is Number one, it's all dudes. I don't know if there's a, a single woman in the cast.
1: I would doubt it, given the setting. Yeah. It would make sense that this is all men or very, very few women.
0: Yeah. And as far as like the plot or anything else other than that, I know the means of escape.
1: It's a tunnel, isn't it? Yeah. They're digging a tunnel. They
0: create a tunnel system in order to escape. And the only reason I know that is through other means, like other media. They, they referenced tunnels in this thing.
1: I'm going to bet this is a movie that is heavily referenced in other things. Yes. So there's going to be parts of this I recognize, yeah. not from the source material, but mm-hmm. because other people spoofed it. It is yeah. that kind of a movie.
0: Yeah. And I don't really know if this movie what was like recognized by the Academy in any way. I don't know no if it won idea. anything. I don't... We're going to have to look that up after we're done watching it, but... It is one of these classic movies that we just completely missed out on because, well, the runtime is also very intimidating. Nobody's gonna just sit down and watch a three-hour movie just for shits and giggles. No, <laughs> <laughs> so.
1: unless you're a dad and you really love the greatest. It's one of those
0: movies that is on for like the entirety of an afternoon, like a Saturday afternoon, yeah. and a dad is just sitting in his easy chair watching it.
1: Or quote unquote watching it as he sleeps through half of it. <laughs> exactly.
0: For me, growing up, that was actually *The Shawshank Redemption*.
1: That's what your dad would That's watch? That's what my
0: dad would watch, amongst like other like Clint Eastwood movies and John Wayne movies. But none of those are like three hours long.
1: Listen, it was stuff from this era, though, for my dad. Yeah. It was usually a Cary Grant movie. Yes. But same vibe. Like, we put it on, we take a nap. When we wake up, the movie's still going. We watch a few minutes, we go back to sleep. So we're going to have to stay awake yep. through the whole thing.
0: And through the power of podcasting, you don't have to sit through it all. We're going to go on and watch it, and we'll be right back after this. Betsy, did you make the greatest of escapes?
1: I don't think I'm skilled enough to escape. You can't dig? Uh, no, <laughs> I'm too claustrophobic. <laughs> me too. That whole movie, when they were in the tunnels, was freaking me out a little bit. Like, that's not easy to film. And I know that Let half alone of it... be in it. Yeah, half of it's gone. It's not even really there. But they filmed yeah. it in such a way that I was like, I feel feel tight. I feel the enclosure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's pretty good. I don't know that I loved this one, but for being a 60-year-old movie, for the most part, it holds up. It
0: does. And I think the, the best thing it has going for it is I think it's pacing. Because like we kept on saying in the intro, it is a very long movie. It's
1: almost three hours. But it
0: doesn't feel like that because it just keeps on going to the next thing. We meet a new person. This person does something. We always know what's going on in the camp.
1: It does and it doesn't feel that long because kind of not a lot happens for a lot of the movie. Where most movies, there's one protagonist that you are supposed to follow on their journey. This is a movie about a group of men Mm -hmm. so everybody kind of has equal screen time so we spend a few minutes over here we spend a few Mm -hmm. minutes over there Steve McQueen's locked up in isolation for half the movie (laughs) so he's like barely the star it's way more British leading than I realized yeah totally so Richard Attenborough is arguably the quote star of the piece like he's the man I suppose yeah leading this group leading the plan Roger And, of course, the only other thing I've ever seen Richard Attenborough in is Jurassic Park.
0: Like most everybody else, yes. You know, add
1: 30 years and a white beard. That's the Richard Attenborough I know. So to see him really young and clean-shaven and, you know, he's got a scar on his face for the character, that was very different. But he's really good in this. Like, he takes charge and he's telling all the guys, we need this and we need this and we need this.
0: Yeah, and, like, the character himself is, like, very... Accommodating for like other ideas, other points of view and. Yeah, he needs to bring all ideas to him because there's no wrong way to escape as long as you don't get caught.
1: Right. He says something about we can't poo-poo like every escape attempt. Other people want to do it themselves. Right. Let them do it themselves yeah, Steve within McQue- reason. Yeah,
0: Steve McQueen is basically conjuring up all of these other ideas to get himself out. He doesn't care about anybody else. Nope. He is the quintessential American, <laughs> yeah. except for you know him and the Scotsman who are who are planning this thing. But in the end, they finally use him to do more reconnaissance after the Scotsman gets shot.
1: Yeah, he is kind of pushed to his breaking point, his own personal breaking point of joining them when his friend snaps. Right. He's on the edge. He needs to get out. They're within days of doing it, and the tunnel gets discovered. Right. and And so he just throws himself at a fence and gets himself shot. And at that point, that is
0: the turning point of the entire movie. If you wanted to pick a point, like Betsy and I were talking about this. If you wanted to pick a point to have a real intermission because it is a long movie, that's the perfect point. And that's actually where we did pause it to take a break.
1: I would be willing to bet if you, like us, grew up in the 80s and 90s with the VHS tape. That this was the split. Right. There were two tapes, <laughs> and that was the marking of end of part one, mm-hmm. intermission. Right. Change tapes. Change tapes. So there were some other people I did recognize in this. Obviously, I didn't know Richard Attenborough was in this. Yep but I know who he is. And James Coburn was the other big one that I knew.
0: Which I think we have I have only ever seen that guy in one other thing. It was uh, a charade.
1: So you've only seen him in one other thing young. The thing about this movie is most of these guys, if I know them, it's because I know them old. Two of these men are in the 90s version of Maverick. Yeah. And one of them is James Coburn and the other one is James Garner. Indeed. So that's another person who... I have not seen a lot of his stuff young. Like he was the original Maverick. James Garner was on a TV show. He did a lot of Westerns and he's, you know, young and handsome and charming in this movie. Totally. And he fits his role where he's just a scrounger getting, what do you need? Every prison has one of these. What do you need?
0: He's the guy who can get it for you.
1: I was sitting here watching this going, well, Stephen King has clearly seen this movie. Yeah.
0: And I I could get a lot of the different parallels between this and Shawshank. Um, the
1: thing with the pants dropping dirt everywhere. Yeah,
0: exactly. So there's a lot of that in this. And it's only really because we've seen the Shawshank Redemption so many
1: times. We have, but it's also just the vibe of a prison movie like it is it's a dude thing guys being guys bonding and creating friendships that would otherwise never have formed yeah. except in this environment in shawshank he's a loner who escapes by himself in this one steve mcqueen is the equivalent of that guy but ultimately joins the rest of the group to help everybody escape
0: right and in this movie there isn't the personal story there isn't the friendship stuff it is all about them escaping There's no other business to be had.
1: I did. All they're
0: talking about is escape.
1: I appreciated that this is a brand new camp. And you can tell even before they say it, they Mm -hmm. do call it out. But I was looking at it going, I think this camp is like brand spanking new because they've got like trees freshly felled. They've got these squeaky clean bunks. Everything looked very, very new. Yeah,
0: nothing has been touched here.
1: And it's this state-of-the-art prison facility that has eliminated all possible escape routes. They have taken what they have learned from failed escapes elsewhere, and they fixed it with this prison. And
0: what better way to test your unescapable prison than putting in a bunch of escape
1: artists? All your rotten (laughs) eggs in a single basket. Yep. And every single one. I just love how they how quickly they got to it too. They've got a stack of files of all the prisoners. This guy has seven escape attempts, 11, 12, nine. They've all tried to escape everywhere they're in.
0: Well, and going back to what you just said about the rotten eggs in one basket, remember in Inglourious Bastards* when, uh, when Mike Myers is doing his, uh, his uh, very, very odd uh, British accent in, when, in his he shows cameo, up. when he shows up <laughs> and he, he says, yeah, everybody in the high command in the, in the German army is going to be in one place. All of our rotten eggs in one basket. What do we do? We blow up the basket.
1: That was another person that we can clearly assume yeah. has seen this movie, not only from once upon a time in Hollywood, yep. but because of inglorious bastards, Indeed. you can assume Tarantino has taken some things from this film, Indeed, but they got to it so quickly and it's just done it. In this really humorous way where it's mostly officers and they bring in like the highest ranking officer and explain the situation yeah. and he says it is their patriotic and military duty to try to escape and i'm not going to well, tell them even, to
0: stop and it's not even trying to escape it is to fuck up your shit yeah
1: and whether or not they're actively trying to escape they're going to make life as difficult as possible for you
0: indeed because it would be a war crime i mean say what you will about Nazis and war crimes. Clearly it happens at the end of the movie, Mm -hmm. but they're not there to shoot anybody or kill anybody. If they try to escape and they see it, yeah, sure. They're
1: going to try to shoot them. Well, and they just immediately start scoping out the joint. And they're like, okay, there's a blind spot in the fence there. Let's look underneath the hut. (laughs)
0: Everybody just starts to scope out the entire grounds and saying, okay, it's about this many feet over to the tree line. Uh, let's just test out this dirt. Let's kick the dirt a little bit just to see yeah. how, how much I can I can dig down what into What kind it. of soil
1: we got here? What right. are we working with? <laughs> right.
0: Immediately they, they start doing that in Day
1: school. one. Well, like fucking hour one. Hour one. And they're all like climbing into the back of trucks and like bribing Russians to get right. their coats. Right. Within minutes of arriving, they're trying to escape.
0: And well, and testing everything out because they don't have a routine yet. They, nope. They're assuming that they're Mis- just a bunch of fucking dumb ass Nazis
1: mistakes will be made because it's a new place They're and it's new. a new right you know group of people
0: yeah and it stands to reason that you know these guys are getting their orders from a lot higher up and maybe you're going to
1: put some experienced guardsmen in here maybe a mixed I don't bag I don't know I will tell you the man who was in charge of the camp the colonel the colonel he strikes me as a I don't really like my assignment. Yeah. I, I- don't really like you having to be here I don't want to be here so let's all just get along and get through this fucking war
0: he's not bought in to the entire thing because when other German officers are in there like heiling Hitler and all that other shit he's the last one to do it he's
1: like oh yeah that fine Fine." (laughs) (laughs) and just throughout the whole movie you kind of get that sense that he's willing to overlook a lot of things right because he's just trying to keep his head down and get through it
0: he let the entire July 4th celebration Happen. Oh
1: yeah, he like he doesn't know that they're making moonshine in that tent down there. Sure, but why would he really have a problem with that?
0: It's prisoners who are blowing off steam, let them have their celebration as long as they don't get out of line. But, the one thing that you should be considering is moonshine is highly flammable and ex- let's just say explodable. Oh yeah. that's a word. They
1: could have had many ulterior motives for what they were gonna use that for. Right, but... What you're seeing them do
0: is just drink it. Clearly, they're not trying to do anything in full view of all of the other guards.
1: And they never use it for anything else. They just want to get drunk. Yeah. But there's a lot of that that goes on in this movie. Like, James Garner has an entire cabinet full of food, and they say it's from the Red Cross, which I find interesting. I don't know that much about history in this time frame and Mm -hmm. this specific place. Right. Yes, the Red Cross was delivering packages, but it's just interesting that, oh, the American Red Cross or the British Red Cross would be able to get packages through German lines and actually expect them to reach the people that they're supposed
0: to reach. And who knows if it's actually from the Americans or the British. It could be from the
1: the neutral countries surrounding. Maybe. It could be the Swiss. But they just have a lot of luxuries in what is a prison. And they're just yeah. kind of living their lives and getting well, away with it. a lot of stuff. Think
0: about it. They're not just regular run-of-the-mill prisons, Fair. Pr- prisoners. These are officers. So okay. they are treated differently. They have a higher expectation of of treatment
1: of prisoners of war. That makes a lot more sense because it was bothering me. Like, the tone of this movie is weird if you consider it a prison. Like... They're all just kind of getting along. Right. I was expecting more, like, beatings and punishments and right. people getting into trouble. But you're not allowed to do that to officers. No. That's the thing. That makes a lot more sense because it was kind of bothering me why Why this seemed like it's not so bad here. Well, and the only
0: thing that actually happens that is, like untoward amongst the, the prisoners is a stage fight at the beginning just to get the attention of the other guards
1: draw a d- draw the attention this way make yeah. a distraction and of course they all have like routines like a bunch of con artists oh we're gonna play that game all right and right. then you just jump right into it Well, they
0: have a shorthand they have a code for all of the di- these different yep. things including everybody's job because during an escape plan, you have to have this many guards, you have to have this many scavengers, you have to have this many uh, forgers. Security, tailor, yeah. smuggler, right. like, what do you need? Right. Everybody has a talent, and you are put to use.
1: Yeah, it's, it's like watching Ocean's Eleven, except instead Kinda. of trying to break in, they're trying to break out. Kind of. But yeah, they're kind of just chilling out for most of the movie, and mm-hmm. you just get a lot of these humorous scenes of digging in the dirt and try to figure out how to hide the dirt. Okay, we need to dig the tunnel more, but we're never going to do it if it keeps collapsing, so right. we need wood. And then they steal the wood, and there's, you know, oh, we didn't warn that guy, and now he falls through three bunk
0: beds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, and they're making jokes and befriending some of the guards who are more susceptible and you know there's that one scene where they're down in the hole and there's going to be an inspection happening and they have to quickly come out of the hole and one of the guys just strips naked and gets into the shower and starts taking a shower and when the guard comes in and saying what are you doing i'm taking a shower i'm stinky and what are you doing i'm watching i'm, I'm, a, the, life I'm guard. the lifeguard <laughs> you know they have fun with it because they have to
1: otherwise they would be going insane Every one of these guys after a certain amount of being locked up. Right,
0: and all of them, in some capacity, have been in prisons before and have escaped or at least tried, tried to escape.
1: Right, and there's also this through line of the actors in this movie because, number one, I didn't know this was actually based on a true story. Absolutely. So, 76 people ended up escaping from this camp. Yeah. And a lot of the actors in this movie were in the military or they some of them even were prisoners of war right so they had touch points for understanding what it is they're portraying here on the screen yeah
0: one of the things that i read about james garner was he basically took his character of being the scrounger from his own experience of being a scrounger in his company when he was in the korean war
1: well and when things are hard to get there's always one guy who's like ah fuck that i'm gonna figure out how to get it right or i'll make it work like in this movie he's stealing shit off trucks well and he's like they're like blackmailing people and he's like stealing the pickpocketing the uh the guard and taking his wallet oh we need paperwork i'm gonna take his whole wallet will that work
0: that's what i was saying he was trying to befriend this one guard who he he thinks is susceptible to his charm because he's quite charming
1: He's very charming in this. (laughs) Well, even in the first time we see him, he's hanging around a truck, kind of poking his head through the window. And the guard catches him like, what are you doing? I'm stealing tools. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what do you think I'm doing?
0: (laughs) And later on, he's like causing there's a distraction happening. And he quickly jumps into action and goes underneath the truck and like grabs one of the tire irons from there to fashion it into a pickaxe that they used to dig through the the, the initial uh, foundation of the building.
1: And, of course, Charles Bronson being Danny, who has yeah. dug 17 tunnels. Right. And we don't find out until almost, what, two-thirds of the way through the movie mm-hmm. when one too many tunnels has collapsed on him that he is claustrophobic. Right. And this is the, the worst experience of his life. And he just keeps having to do it because that's how much he wants freedom.
0: Right. He is dealing with the amount of... Uh, discomfort let's say that he's having to do with by himself down there because he's pretty much by himself the entire time but the thing that triggers him is when there's going to be a whole bunch of people behind him and a whole bunch of people in front of him trying to get out at the same time i get that like there are people who have the uh the fear like if they are in a tight space and like people have nightmares about this stuff if they're in a tight space and there's like people behind him and you get stuck and you have a bunch of people who are trying to like push you and push you and push you and that you 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 freeze. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's a legitimate thing.
1: I had to get an MRI done and twice. This was the weirdest thing. The first time I was actually very calm and you're in there for like 20, 30 minutes and I'm just listening to the rhythm of the machine going tick, tick, tick. Mm -hmm. And it was totally fine. And I made it through it and it was not a big deal. Then I had to go in a few weeks later and do it again, and I don't know what triggered me. I think it was because I had my hands in a certain way, and then the nurse, like, touched me, and I suddenly became aware of the boundary of the machine. Ah. They pushed me in, and I'm like... And they give you a little button in case you panic and I'm holding on and it's like, it's fine, it's fine. And then I was like, nope, I'm panicking and I'm like frantically pushing this button. Get me out, get me out, get me out. So yeah, I completely understand this guy. I get that. And they do a really good job, like I said, of depicting. This is a small tunnel. It's barely wider than their shoulders. Right. It's maybe twice as high.
0: See, and... You talk about the shoulders when they get on those little carts, you're basically just on your your chest is on there. You have to like Superman your way throughout the entire thing, because if your hands were by your sides, you wouldn't be able to
1: fit. Oh, my God. I couldn't do it. I <laughs> genuinely don't think I will take prison. Like, <laughs> how bad do you want to escape? Not that badly. Uh, I think I'll, I'm getting three meals a day. I'll survive. No,
0: no I, I think, no, I got to get out of there.
1: <laughs> you would put up with it if it meant freedom. Indeed. But they they do have all these distractions throughout that are pretty funny. I liked the guy who's conducting a choir in the middle of summer and they're just singing Christmas carols.
0: With well, that, and they were also reciting, uh, O come all ye faithful, to try to like muffle what was going inside of the building right behind them. And if, you, hey, there's like 15, 20 guys out there, you can probably belt
1: loud enough to muffle whatever's happening. Well, and they're going to such lengths. It's not just dig a hole and escape. Like, they are making an air pump and yeah. they're making tubes i don't know where they got all these little tubes of metal and they're hammering them together while the choir sings to make this long pipe to go under yeah. this and they say it's like 325 feet or something they have something to something like that yeah so they're sort of eyeballing it they're digging completely blind for months on end
0: three of them there were three different tunnels depicted in this movie which by the way uh they revealed fairly recently like this stuff was declassified or whatever it was There were actually four tunnels at this prison. They kept it a secret. The other one was called George. (laughs) So anyway, yeah, you have to basically eyeball it to try to get an estimate to get to the tree line. And I figured, okay, they got to get to the tree line because if you keep on digging, you're going to start hitting roots. And they do depict in this movie, there are roots coming out of this dirt. But it's like grass and plants. Right. So So shallow roots. it's It's very shallow. And maybe it's like, Uh, it's the roots of trees that were already felled. Mm -hmm. So yeah,
1: I would be really curious because at the end of the, this scene, all of their troubles, they're short, but they've already done it. There's an air raid. It's kind of the perfect conditions. They got to go now. And
0: all of the paperwork that they have forged is for that day
1: for today. So
0: if they were to actually check the date when they get out, assuming that they get out, they're going to see, oh, there's a problem here. You have forged paperwork. Come with me.
1: It's outdated. Yeah. Yeah. Or they're going to have to start again on all the paperwork. But yeah. they missed the tree line. They're too short. This is a great shot. And I'd be curious exactly how they executed the hole in the ground. Because these guys are truly just crawling out of a hole. Sure. Like, did you just dig like a six foot hole and have all these guys I come know. up out of it? I don't know what they did. I would love to see some behind the scenes as far as that specific element was concerned. And they actually managed to get quite a few people out sure. before somebody fucks up, which is what always happens when of you're course. trying to get 250 men out of here. That was a lofty goal, but you know, you got to aim high.
0: Yeah, because I think what they say like every other escape attempt that they've made it's like 5 or 10 people.
1: Yeah, like a Something dozen. Like that. Yeah. And so this guy's like,
0: this is a lot lot of people who have a lot of talent. So let's put all of this talent to work. That's the, that's the, the thing that the Nazis fucked up here. They put all the escape artists in one thing. You don't (laughs) think that they're going to pool
1: their brain power and come up with something. They're sure as shit trying. And the only reason they didn't get busted sooner was y'all just, you know, didn't find it. You right. looked and you didn't find it because they are smarter than well, you. And
0: what's depicted in the movie of how they find Tom during the July 4th celebration. It's an one, accident. One of the guys just dropped his uh, his tea or coffee his, or whatever it was, cup his of cup, coffee.
1: and it drained into the hole. And you can hear the sound of the yeah. water down a distance, that thing where it's like falling several feet. Yes. And yeah, they figure out those weird shaped boards. Oh, I see. Those are to move this hot stove. Indeed. And yeah, they have to change gears and go to another tunnel but it's all worth it to get 76 guys out and this is where i wasn't expecting the movie to go this long like there would be this final third chapter right where we're escape
0: and because we have the benefit of the fact that this was a real event you are you are actually able to depict okay these guys went this way these guys went that way this is how these guys got caught this is how these 50 guys were all caught and executed and in the end Only three people actually escaped for this attempt to escape uh, everybody.
1: They didn't get caught. Everybody yeah. else got rounded up. Right. But yeah, it turns into like trains, planes, and automobiles. Everybody's Kinda. just like, this guy gets on a train, and those guys get on a train, and that guy steals a bike, and he steals a motorcycle, and those right. dudes find a little boat.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, those two guys who got on the boat and found this Swiss boat uh, port, they got on the boat, and they those two guys escaped. And then the other guy who escaped to France, uh, who I think one of the best scenes in the movie was that scene of him at this uh, cafe outside.
1: And then the two guys behind the bar say, Oh monsieur, the phone, it is for you it's for you come, is it? come here, come get, take the get phone. We're
0: here, <laughs> you're fucking this all up, but we don't want you to die.
1: The resistance is gunning down those officers. Get yeah. the hell out of the way. Right.
0: It's like fucking drive by
1: <laughs> and, he, and he's like oh you resistance yeah are you English no I'm Australian, I'm Australian. you want to <laughs> help me
0: <laughs> yeah there's no Australian accent
1: there no it's he's, real bad it's not good he's not on screen that long he doesn't no. have that many lines so it's fine like I'll I'll let it go but yeah those three get away and manage to stay away but the whole rest of the movie becomes this game of rounding up all the escaped prisoners mm-hmm. and you think oh man Some more of them are going to get away. You don't expect for it to be 50 guys who all get rounded up. And they're just kind of one at a time. Like one of the guys is on the platform. And at the beginning of the movie, when Bartlett gets dropped off, Mm -hmm. there's this specific officer that says, if you escape again, we're going to kill you. Right.
0: Those guys are Gestapo agents. Mm -hmm. And the people who are there at at the train station as they're getting off, they're also the same dudes. Yeah, they, so they're watching everybody's faces.
1: And they recognize that guy. So one of their friends, who's, yeah. who's the doctor from NCIS. I don't know if you recognize that man. He's no. much, much younger. Not that we watched that show very much, no. but I'm aware of it enough to know he's on that show. All right, M-
0: Mac is the character's name, but yeah, he tackles
1: the one Gestapo agent because he
0: thinks he recognizes Roger up at the front of the line and yeah, gets tackled and ends up getting shot.
1: Yeah, he basically distracts the guy so Roger and the other dude can get away and he gets shot and then one of the dudes is blind like this one it was kind of weird like they just sort of throw it at you by the way he's blind now
0: right some weird uh, my myopa my, my myopia, myopia,
1: myopia. Yeah. something like that a medical
0: condition progressive myopia or myopia
1: where he can see up close but he can't see far away right
0: which is I mean it's essentially a very quick uh, descent into blindness is yeah. essentially what
1: happens here his eyes are useless in this situation right but he escapes with James Garner and again you think those guys are gonna get away they make it to a fucking airfield they get a plane they fly and then something goes wrong the plane has to come down quickly and they crash Mm -hmm. and the the guys are right behind them the agents spot him and that guy gets gunned down which i don't really understand why because he was just fucking standing there i don't know and well he was shoot he
0: was turning around to run away I think is what they was happening. They
1: assumed he was going to run away, probably. Whatever. Because he was just turning around to say, hey, um, I think something's going on behind me. Still.
0: But the, the one question I have about that is, when they're at the airport, there were guys up in the tower watching them. So they knew they were going to as- try to escape in a plane.
1: Well, they didn't see them until they heard the engine going. And from where they were to where these guys are trying to steal a plane. I don't know. There's not a lot they can do unless they're going to be able to gun them down very quickly.
0: Or they were like putting word ahead saying, well, maybe they knew that that, that plane was uh, was bad. Maybe, maybe they thought the engine was bad. I don't
1: yeah, know. Yeah, let them steal it because it's a piece of junk right. and they're going to crash in 10 minutes. Right, so
0: yeah, radio ahead to whatever they think, wherever they think that they're going to fly to. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a weird sequence.
1: It's just, okay, there's... Guys everywhere. This is Germany. Yeah, there are soldiers literally in every town. Right, and then of course Steve McQueen Mm -hmm. ends up on a motorcycle, and he pulls an Indiana Jones and steals an officer's uniform. Right, and there's a lot of
0: lot of uh, Nazis on motorcycles and giving chase that we've been covering lately. (laughs) That was another
1: one that I said. You know, I'll bet George Lucas has seen this movie Uh and Steven Spielberg. (laughs) There's there's kind of that vibe especially if you want to just talk about Steve McQueen specifically. Sure, he's, just the, the the effortless cool of the, of the man. But he's also kind of an idiot American. Right. He's playing it for humor a lot, but he's also kind of a daredevil, like he's not afraid to get on this motorcycle and right. jump it five feet over a fence. That's
0: Harrison Ford. Yeah. He's doing all
1: of his stunts. So there's a lot of inspiration, I think. There's a through line yeah. to that character. Yeah, I'm, and I'm with And what you. came later. But of course, he doesn't escape because the fence into Switzerland <laughs> right. is twice as high as the other one right. and he crashes into a barbed wire fence.
0: Right. And they and they end up uh, capturing him and he flashes his little captain symbol and says, "Hey, you can't shoot me, you got to take me prisoner."
1: Yep, ha ha ha. But one of the actual events that happen in real life, they round up all these guys And they're on a truck. They pull over off the side of the road and say, oh, it's still quite a few hours to the camp and you can stretch your legs. They get them to walk away.
0: Like they would be concerned about their comfort.
1: No, they would just keep driving and get you there. That's all they give a shit about. Right. But they pull them over and I was like, oh, this ain't good.
0: Yeah, this is not going to end well. Because, Mm -hmm. yeah, Roger's up there saying, you know what? You know, if I could do it all over again, I would do it in a heartbeat I'm or something. I'm proud of like. us. Oh, like, yeah.
1: Look at all the work we achieved.
0: Yeah, and I wouldn't wouldn't have been able to get this far without you, Roger. And you're all shot in the back.
1: Yeah, you hear the guy fucking with his gun. And it's yeah. like, yeah, that, that tracks.
0: Which, by the way, this particular incident did happen, and it was brought up at the Nuremberg Trials. Yeah, for this war was crimes. an
1: absolute war crime. Yeah. because. These are, like you said, officers and we're treating the officers different and we're Mm -hmm. taking them prisoner and they had no warning. They just pull them to the side of the road and shoot them all. Yeah. And so they report back to all the prisoners.
0: Oh, there are 50 who have been shot. Which my understanding is that actually did come from the high command. That's probably ordered by Hitler himself
1: or someone close to him. Yeah. Yeah. That's fucked up. But I like you understand the mentality that many guys escape. They're going to do it again. Right.
0: And like when we get to the final scenes here where all of the escapees, all the rest of the escapees are are brought back. We also find out that the colonel who is in charge of this entire detention facility is being relieved of duty and going to be escorted away, probably to be shot. Yeah. Because he allowed 76 people to escape from his inescapable prison.
1: Or to another prison somewhere in Germany for German soldiers. I doubt it. Probably I, I, not. I don't
0: think that uh, that is going to be let uh, let slide.
1: No. But you tell this group of guys, hey, all of your friends are dead. Why? Yeah. Well, they were uh, shot trying to escape, which was not true at all. They were... Being shuttled, they had surrendered up or they had been captured. Right,
0: like that British officer came in there and say and was asking how many of them were wounded. None of them were wounded. They're all dead.
1: Mm-hmm. And now you've planted this seed that they're just going to be motivated that much more to escape.
0: Right, and they already got the motivation when the Scotsman basically snapped and tried to climb the fence and got shot himself. That was enough motivation to have everybody work together that much harder. What are you going to do now that 50 guys were murdered in cold blood?
1: Mm -hmm. And Steve McQueen comes back and he's just like, tell me what happened. Got it. And he goes right back into his cell in the cooler with his little baseball, (laughs) making that noise once again. And it's just starting the cycle again. And just
0: plotting his next escape.
1: Yeah. He'll have another attempt. I love when he actually tried it. He... On day one is thrown in the cooler, he's in there for twenty days, he gets out. By this time, the whole group has planned and started digging their tunnels. Yeah, they have the
0: grand plan of doing all of the other tunnel work. But no, Steve McQueen thought of his own thing. On like day one, he saw, okay, there's a blind spot here. At night, I'm going to be able to do
1: this and do that and get right through. I'm going to dig. He's going to go first. He's going to push the dirt behind him. And then I'm going to take that dirt and put it over me. Well, what are you going to do to breathe? Oh, we've got like a metal pipe and we're going to stick it through the ground to breathe. Sure. And they just kind of go, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, that's smart it's so stupid it might work why (laughs) didn't we think of that it's such a simple idea versus the guys who are like all right, we're gonna dig 30 feet down and then we're gonna go 300 feet to the wall and also we're gonna do like three of them and you're gonna do this and you're gonna do this and Steve McQueen comes along he's like I'm gonna dig a hole and leave (laughs) I'm just gonna get out of here (laughs) don't worry so much and it fails miserably you know the next time we see him he's covered in dirt and being escorted right back where he came from (laughs) yeah and
0: I think they play that for laughs because he is just this stupid American and he's just doing whatever he wants to do. And he's not playing nice with everybody else. Nope.
1: He's out for himself. And yeah. it makes sense. Cause there's only three Americans in the whole camp, right? He is one of them. And he's the one that's more interested in. I just got to get out of here.
0: Which by the way, I, I did also read that in real life, the Americans who were there, there were Americans in this camp and participated in everything, but they were not actually the ones who escaped.
1: They helped a little bit. They
0: helped a little bit, but the day before of the actual escape, they were moved to another division of the prison. Mm-hmm. So they weren't able to participate in, in that whole
1: thing. Right. So speaking of other movies that we have watched featuring prisoners of war, okay, we also had one character crossover to the last time we did this series. We did our decade series last year, starting with 1962, mm-hmm. and we did the Manchurian Candidate. And the guy who is the Manchurian candidate was a prisoner of war and brainwashed and triggered to be an assassin. That actor is in this movie. (laughs) So I just find it funny we did that not realizing there was any connection whatsoever but literally the first scene they're loading guys off the truck and i was like oh motherfucker that's (laughs) that guy (laughs) i can't remember his name off the top of my head and i literally apart from these two things have never seen that man before sure but it is funny to me that of all the movies we have picked we could have picked for 1962 and 63 (laughs) same guy Go figure. We'll
0: see if it happens next year in
1: 1964. Maybe. <laughs> Don't look at his filmography. Nope. It'll
0: be more fun nope, that way. No, not going to do it. Uh, but as long as we're talking about other things, I, w- I, needed, I needed to bring this up, Betsy. And I showed this to you before we started recording. Oh, yeah. Uh, the only reference that I've actually had to this movie was a little clip from The Simpsons.
1: Of course it's The Simpsons. Of course it's
0: The Simpsons because they've parodied every major movie of all time it is a scene where Maggie, the baby is put into some kind of school or like daycare or something like that uh, amongst of other, a bunch of other babies. And it is treated like a prison camp and Maggie being the Steve McQueen stand in here. Uh, she is leading the other babies to try to retrieve their pacifiers because of course, Maggie and her pacifiers is a favorite. And they've mate. been
1: taken away.
0: Exactly. So they're, they're all taken away. You're, you don't need to have those. So Maggie does her best, like mission impossible uh, impersonation as well where she is lowered down on a, on a on a on a chain and is able to retrieve the other pacifiers for the for the babies but before that she's put into a what they call a box which is the equivalent of the cooler and she's doing the thing with the with the little ball <laughs> like Stephen Queen does in uh, in the movie
1: and they're literally playing the soundtrack and the same
0: song that is played over and over in this movie is being played in that, in that clip.
1: It's a very jaunty little March. Like yeah. it made me, there was a little phrase where I kept thinking this land was made for you and me. Kinda. <laughs> That's it, it's, what it sounded it's like. It's kind
0: of like that, but it is uh, like you said, it is very jaunty, which doesn't really fit with, you know, a fucking prison camp movie in world war II. Which is
1: why I'm saying the tone is very interesting. in it this. Is. It's very it is. comedic in a way. I wasn't expecting it to be right.
0: It's all like these guys are at summer camp and they're just, trying to that's it they're just kind of trying to figure out okay the main objective of this summer camp is escape all of these guys they can't do anything to you because you're an officer so guess what do what you can to try to do it as secretly as possible and just have as much fun as you can while doing it
1: what are you doing this summer oh me and my husband have tickets for escape camp right we just have to dig a tunnel and try to get out of this prison i'm
0: surprised it hasn't already been done (laughs) (laughs)
1: i mean we haven't looked into it it might exist oh jesus maybe we should copyright this idea sounds like really a terrible idea but you know remind
0: me to edit this out of the podcast (laughs) i'm not gonna do that but what i will do is ask you betsy do you have anything else to talk about because i think i'm at the end of my rope here
1: (laughs) uh not really i liked the score i liked the humor the cast was good Mm -hmm. you know i get why dads would put it on and just watch part of it i enjoy the fact that this was not a
0: like dire movie where you have to be like worried about the characters or like they're all depressed. Like there, there was one guy who they didn't dwell on. It was the Scotsman who ended up going a little crazy and tried to escape. And that's reminiscent of what happens in Shawshank as well, where the old man Brooks ends up killing himself after he gets out. Like he doesn't know how to deal, not being able to deal with, uh, with uh, being out in the world. It's a similar thing. Like this guy cannot bear to be in prison any longer. Mm-hmm. He just cannot. He, he knows what's going to happen if he tries to escape and he doesn't anyway. But overall, I, I like this movie as a 1963 movie. I think there, I mean, think about all the movies that were coming out in the 60s where, yeah, you still had a lot of Westerns. Yeah, you still had a lot of war movies, but this comes at it from a different perspective it's about prisoners of war it's not about war itself
1: and it's also not making the audience like face their inner demons yeah. or be challenged in a way that they're not ready for yet like yeah. a few years later movies become much more challenging right to the audience so right. we'll see as we get to 73 what that looks like
0: yeah so we're gonna continue on doing our little decade series again. What we are doing, we are starting in 1963, we're jumping every 10 years and covering one movie from every decade from that year. If you haven't already figured out what the hell we're doing yet. So, if you would like to talk to us about 1963, 73, whatever, email us, pod at gmail.com. But until we start getting emails about this series, we want to cover an email we got a little while ago about a different world war. Uh, This one comes in from Mitch from Saskatoon about All Quiet on the Western Front, which was an Oscar movie that we covered last year. Mitch says, never seen it. Hello again. With all of the talk of Germans in your recent podcast, I figured I'd better comment on a movie I saw recently, All Quiet on the Western Front. Sorry, this one has more Germans, Mitch. <laughs> it's a lot more Germans. Uh, I found it at the library recently, which only had gotten it on June 1st. So I'm pretty sure I got to be the first one to check it out at my library. So, yes, use your local library. They're guys. great guys. There's a lot of stuff at the library. Go check it out. I can't remember all the details of your episode, but this was a great historical film. Great in general really. The look was great, the history was super accurate, and it was about as real of a film I have ever seen. Probably better than the Saving Private Ryan D-Day scene. My absolute favorite part of this movie was the sound. Lots of daunting music that really heightened the tension. Loved it. Yeah, that was by far our favorite part as well.
1: The score The score. needed to win the Oscar, and it did. Yes, indeed.
0: Uh, he finishes, just wanted to chime in on that. I had wanted to watch this for a long time, but didn't have access. Worth the wait. Mitch from Saskatoon. There's a lot of ozone. <laughs> Thank you, Mitch. Thank you, Mitch. If you would like to be like Mitch and do silly things with your name.
1: (laughs) Add so many vowels. Yes.
0: Email us. Neverseenitpod at gmail.com. We're going to continue on with this series later on. So if you would like to help us along the way, support us by clicking the first link in every episode description where it says support. Go to the Spotify page. Throw us a dollar on there if you aren't already. And speaking of Spotify, if you have the app handy, just go over to there while you're listening to this, wherever you're listening to this, and subscribe to us over there. Play a couple episodes. We're just trying to goose our numbers over there, at least for the time being. I know some of you are doing it. We thank you for that. But keep on doing it because it just needs to keep on happening. (laughs) And while you're futzing around with all that stuff, make sure to rate us on all these platforms. Five stars, not four stars, not one star like one of those freaking jerks out
1: there. Do they allow six?
0: No. Give us
1: six six stars. You can
0: try to give us six stars. We'll be the only
1: podcast with six. We'll be at the top. We'll be at the top. Nobody
0: ever thought of this before. (laughs) But if you can't afford six stars, just give us five. That's fine. Of course, we're all on the social media apps, the Twitter, the Facebook the Instagram, all that stuff. Uh, we, we haven't made the jump over to the other stuff yet because we don't know if anybody's actually using those yet, so.
1: Email us your thoughts and I tell rather, us if you're on threads. I
0: would rather you just email us. Everybody's got email. You do? Yeah.
1: Don't lie to me. Yeah,
0: it's free. Like all those other things, it's free.
1: Or as the as they say, slide into our DMs.
0: Ew. <laughs> I don't want that.
1: (laughs) Well, it's another way people can reach out, Trent. It's true. They need to know.
0: DM us. If you want to be anonymous, you can request to be anonymous. We don't have to, to, to say your name like we do everybody else.
1: Give us a funny name with lots of vowels
0: in it. Yeah, that'll work. But before we get in trouble here, I'm going to end the show. Betsy, thank you very much for sitting with me and watching this three-hour movie. We did it! We did it. 1973 is next. We'll be back with another episode of Never Seen It. My name is Trent. My name is Betsy. We'll see you next time. Bye!